a little baby. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, all right, shall we? We shall. If I can find where my program is, there it is. Soundboards. Here we go. My name is Nathan. I'm a white boy podcaster. <laughs> That's right. We're back with Alanis. Hey. It's season three, episode nine. What? what? Throw we back promised we'd go Tuesday? on to season 15. Yeah, but we lied again. Yeah. We're liars. <laughs> yeah. And you chumps believed we're, us. We're not sorry that we tricked you. <laughs> Turns out we've been evangelical Christians this whole time, and we've been trying to indoctrinate you by uh, oh, not understanding magnets somehow. So so many deep cuts. I'm yeah. loving this. This one's this one's for the ride or die thinkers. Yeah, for the all timers, our mother truckers. So, so a long, long time ago, in a podcast season far away, uh-huh. we decided after ICP to cover Alanis Morissette. Yes. And the reason we did was because we didn't know, or at least I didn't know anything about her career after Jagged Little Pill. Yes. And I just had sort of vague ideas about her role in the culture, mm-hmm. sort of being this sort of avatar for um, the nineties. Avatar for the 90s, but also of like this trend of um, accepting female anger. Mm-hmm. Um, and and <laughs> the ways that that's sort of been like celebrated, but also like lampooned. Also, a lot of people have just sort of, it's become hacky at this point, made fun of her for not under, for quote unquote, not understanding irony in her song, Isn't That Ironic or Ironic or whatever it's called. <laughs> I, isn't that ironic? I believe is the Bo Burnham song, <laughs> which includes a very, and, very good line uh, where he says, and I got my girlfriend pregnant on my sterile uncle's pullout couch. Woof. <laughs> 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 I think it's good wordplay. I think it's really good. Yeah. It took me a while to like get the, the, the pullout couch was part of the joke. I just thought it was the, his uncle was sterile. <laughs> Uh, and w- what we found after Jagged Little Pill, which I loved, and that had been the first time I had listened to it in its entirety. Mm-hmm. What we found is that the rest of her career, while while Jagged Little Pill was a, a really, I, I would characterize as like a, a really effective, incisive, um, sort of elegant representation of, of anger. Like it's this great album that's mostly angry and resentful and spiteful. And in a way that is, I think really hospitable. You can just sort of like enter into the angry house and mm-hmm. like <laughs> bask in it and get, have a drink, make yourself at home. Um, <laughs> it sounds I, like I, a I shitty it, reality TV show. Enter into the angry house. <laughs> It kind of reminds me of like, I don't know, uh, it's the reason why a lot of people get in, like, love the Mountain Goats, because they're so effectively angry in their songwriting, in John Darnell's songwriting. Yeah. Uh, And it's really hard to be angry in a way that is satisfying, I think. Yeah. 
because as, it can as a seem great. self uh, self righteous or it can see seem overindulgent. It's hard to do it right because we want to protect ourselves from that emotion often. I think. Yeah, everyone should check out um, the Mountain Goat song, the best ever death metal band in Denton, uh, which is on one of the earlier albums. <clears throat> Uh, All Hail West Texas is the album, but uh, it's about a couple of kids growing up in Texas uh, trying to do a, a death metal band. And the way that John Darnielle um, gets to the chorus and he just snarls, Hail Satan! It's so fucking great. Yeah, it's it's lovely. And I think what we all want is is anger that we can trust. Yeah. Like, uh, an earned anger because so much of the time I'm just sort of like, I'm angry, but I don't, I can't like make my case. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. if I'm going to be angry, I need to like, I need to have it. Um, I need it to be perfect or else I'll leave myself vulnerable. You know, mm-hmm. anyway, I think that's why people really love Jagged Little Pill. That's why I love it at least. Mm-hmm. And after Jagged Little Pill, she just gets really sad in yep. a way that I think, and I know this is subjective, but in a way that I think isn't as elegant and isn't as, um, isn't as hospitable. It's like, come on into the sad house. You know, when you compare, you know, uh, her songwriting to, I don't know, like Sufjan C- Stevens, like his music is so sad mm-hmm. so much of the time. And he also makes like a ton of poetic bluffs and words things in weird ways. But mm-hmm. to me, I feel like it's really effective and it takes you there. But for her, when I listen to her songwriting post Jagged Little Pill, it feels unprocessed, unedited. Yeah. Um, and it, fe- it, it feels less hospitable and more like she's a patient than someone you know someone who's like there to help someone else like mm-hmm. process their stuff that yeah. being said i uh, a thing that came up a lot that season was like i'm sure this is useful for someone right. i'm sure this is resonating with someone and that is good but to me the things that i consider to be necessary f- to to make a song good mm-hmm. were <laughs> were were seldom those expectations in me were seldom met or subverted in a way that I found interesting. Yes. I I agree also. I just like yeah, we you said she got sad after Jagged Little Pill and some of her songs were sad, yeah, but I think overall the um I wouldn't describe her music as necessarily sad so much as just kind of sentimental. Um that like, there was a fair amount of that too. Yeah, like she's she's very earnest and she um, writes a lot of songs about how about the things she values and her values themselves and what she thinks is important. And <laughs> she's trying to be the positive alternative to quote a, a Christian radio station. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it, it, it some, sometimes it did kind of remind me of like Christian music, but mm. for uh, suburban white people who. Uh, have heard of yoga. <laughs> yeah, that and that's another... Oh, man, I, I had forgotten how judgmental I felt of her um, at the time and how cringy that made me feel to, like, 
really dive into the discography mm-hmm. and know how important she is for so many women specifically. Right. Um, and, and gay men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and yeah. And just be like, wow, it doesn't feel good to be critical of this, but it is how I feel. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but, but yes. And I feel like this is sort of a warm up round for next season. Uh, Cause it is official. I said that I would end the voting, even though we were supposed to start on season 15 mm-hmm. today. Uh, we, someone in the discord reminded us, it may have literally been someone, the username, someone mm-hmm. um, that, uh, that Alanis uh, had a new album. And I think we knew that that was coming, but we forgot. Yeah. And, cause uh, it kept yeah. getting pushed back. Uh, maybe that was it. Yeah, like Garth's album. Well, not <laughs> quite as much as Garth's album. <laughs> <laughs> supposed to be coming out sometime. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, season 15 is is going to be Taylor Swift. Tay-Tay. Oh, uh, Taylor this is something won I, I... by a, a margin. Yes. Um, it wasn't this super is... close, but it wasn't a landslide either. All right. And, uh, this is something I, I texted to Cameron, but I'll mention it here on the podcast. I was listening to a uh, the Hollywood Handbook podcast, and they were playing snippets of the latest Taylor Swift album, and so much of it sounded exactly like Lana Del Rey. So that's going to be interesting, because it, it just came out like a few months ago. Um, that'll be interesting to see. Yeah, people have been characterizing it as cottagecore. Cottagecore? Yeah, that's a thing that people say. What is... <laughs> that mean i don't really know um cottage i I think it's just supposed to like describe some sort of like soft uh sort of like pacific northwesterny kind of like aesthetic i guess oh cut there's a wikipedia article about it cottage core is an internet aesthetic that celebrates a return to traditional skills and crafts such as foraging baking and pottery and it's related to similar nostalgia aesthetic movements such as grandma core, farm core, goblin core, and fairy core. Goblin core? Can, can we talk about goblin core for the rest of the Yeah. <laughs> the that definitely seems like more a more rich uh, subject to tackle than Alanis' latest album. Shit. Well, I'm just going to plug that into an image search and just see what I get. Goblin core. You're just going to find like a goblin with just like shredded abs. <laughs> I mostly see just a lot of buttons and beads and stuff. Huh. I don't know. Maybe if I go to Google image search. Is that is it supposed to be like cute ugly? Is that the idea? Um, like trolls? Is that the idea? Yeah, I guess you could say that. I mean, it's there's not a lot of... Um, this almost seems like more hobbity than goblin-y. Mm. Yeah. Lots of like earth tones and... Goblin core. That's yeah. really, I mean, it sounds like some sort of like, like little green army to me, like C-O-P, C-O-R-P-S. Oh, goblin. Co- yeah. Yeah. That kind of core. Join- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was at the mall and uh, some <laughs> recruiters were there and uh, I'm not going to college. I'm joining the <laughs> goblin core. <laughs> <laughs> Man, cottage core. I just, I feel like that. I mean, that doesn't seem like a new thing. It just seems like uh like a new sort word of back to the land, like artisanal sort of fad that we've been in for the last 10 or 15 years. Yeah. I don't know why they're applying it to Taylor Swift's new album. Um, the, I don't know. People keep talking about like how many just like 
kind of big sweaters she's wearing in like the <laughs> promo pictures. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, anyway, uh, Becca has said, my my wife, Becca, who is a, a Taylor fan uh, and has watched the most recent documentary, has listened to, as far as I know, all or most of Taylor's albums. Um, she does want to appear on every episode. So we're going to have to figure out uh, <laughs> these our new scheduling in order to make that happen. Okay. But I think that, yep. that it will be worth it because um, I would <laughs> I'm tired of just putting on my own breaks uh to not uh shit on a professional uh woman musician um because it's only men that are talking like Mm -hmm. (laughs) whose voices are being heard in this podcast Mm -hmm. so that'll be helpful so we'll have someone to like uh balance that and also becca is a businesswoman and she has her like mba and she's not a business woman she's a business woman yeah (laughs) she she wants to specifically talk about taylor as a as a businesswoman Mm. um and i think that'll be an interesting angle because it's it's a business out there anyway it's it's a jungle out there i thought that this album such pretty forks in the road fucking sucked and it was a real (laughs) bummer to return to it (laughs) i hated it you think it was that bad uh it wasn't that well yeah yeah i did i it it really pushed my buttons. Uh, there were some moments that I thought were fine. And there were some production moments that I liked. Um, but I don't think I liked almost any of the lyrics. And um, she she did do a lot of that stuff that we've heard from her more recent albums where she just baldly states exactly what she means in a very on-the-nose way uh, with like no craft to it she just like will not rhyme or fit any kind of meter she'll just be like and then i want to say that i (laughs) love you and support you or she just like just comes right out and says oh okay here it is yeah so like a lot of craftless prosaic lyrics and then on the flip side i think we invented the term poetic bluff when we like season three i think alanis is responsible for us using that (laughs) that coining that term and using that throughout the rest of the series so um yeah then there's just a bunch of like there's a bunch of poetic bluffs and then just a bunch of sentences that just do not track yeah like grammatically do not make sense yeah that are like like i said before like things that are necessary for me to think that a song is good or interesting subversions of my expectations. Neither were happening. Mm-hmm. Like uh, in in the first song, "Smiling," she verse two is me, the notorious bottom dweller, me, the ceilingless brave explorer, lured to the ends of overwhelm. I liked it fine until lured to the ends of overwhelm. I you think ceilingless brave explorer is fine? I think it's, that to me seems pretty. Egregious. I don't think it's fine, but I know what she's saying, and it it at least tracks. It just it's well, I don't know if this is worth getting into, but it, it feels like such a diametrically opposed sentiment to the the first line of that verse. She says, "Me, the notorious bottom dweller." That's like very self deprecating. Lots of self loathing there, and then she says, "Me, the ceilingless brave explorer." Well, she's like, saying she contains multitudes, Nathan, well, and I think that's pretty. I think that's pretty clear. You're right. Alanis is drawing on a poetic uh, lineage that stretches all the way back to Whitman. 
Uh, but I think lured to the ends of overwhelm. I, I think I understand what she's trying to say, but I don't know why she's saying it. And I think that that is <laughs> and why she's saying it that way. I don't know why she's saying it that way. I think that that sentence, if you can, that collection of words is she's, she's being obtuse and it feels like willfully about the way that you put words together. Yeah, well, that's and and kind in, of her whole and thing. not in a way that that I think is nice. Yeah, <laughs> I I don't think it's very nice. It's not nice. It's, it's mean. mean. <laughs> it's mean to make uh, non sentences that way. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean, we're already talking about it. Should we listen to the sound sample? Yeah, we should. Yeah. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Falling, I barely Uh, Alanis is into spanking, as we find out in this song. <laughs> I was just trying to make a spanking joke. <laughs> in the chorus, she says, this is the sound of me hitting oh, bottom. No. So, I think it's sort of like a kind of just sound. Just some sad spanking. <laughs> I mean, she's I'll also waving a white flag while she's doing it. So, that's a weird <laughs> way to spank someone. Uh, my hand hurts. I give up. <laughs> I give up. <laughs> truce. Truce. <laughs> Uh, um, and then, and then this, the part that you didn't catch because of, uh, I guess you're trying to keep it to 14 seconds, which mm. we endeavor to do on this podcast, this comma, my surrender comma, if that's what you call it, <laughs> I don't know, Alanis, do you call it that <laughs> in the anatomy of my crash? Yeah, that's a bad, that's bad. That's very bad. That's, um, that's the kind of st- that's very similar to some of the shit I would I was writing in my very first poetry class, and our friend Dustin, who has appeared on the show uh, in our MCR episode, <coughs> excuse me, would always tell me, Nathan, you're trying to do too many things at once. Yeah. So she's saying that the event of a crash, which also is a metaphor for some sort of life event, so she's saying that the crash, which is already a metaphor, is is a body metaphorically that has anatomy, like different parts to it. And then she's surrendering, I guess, like ostensibly, (laughs) because she says, if that's what you called it, in the crash. And then all the time there's spanking happening and surrendering. Yep. I don't know. Yeah, like you said, that's way too many things. And it's also kind of nothing. It's all just trying to say... That she's, I don't know, like reaching some sort of breaking point. Um, that she's overwhelmed. And uh, there's got to be a better way to, to communicate that. It's got to be. It's got to be. It's got to be better than the anatomy Someone of my crash. Um, I was hoping I had a sound sample of that queued up that I could just do the weird Dave Matthews crash. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say... Uh, uh, a sound sample of uh, Sandra Bullock falling downstairs and having her racism cured. <laughs> That's a reference to Best Picture winner Crash, <laughs> the definitive movie about racism. There it is. You, you're getting a sound Crash! sample of that? 
<laughs> he does a more egregious one later. I don't know. Different in the song. I was trying to do a live sound sample, so you're welcome, everyone. You're welcome. <laughs> this, <laughs> this is that, that hot co- podcasting content. That's what everyone loves. You've all come to know and love. Uh, okay, so there's one musical moment that I like, and it's in that first example, if you want to play it until it gets to the chorus. Um, it's the chord progression. Uh, the two chords right before the chorus, I think, are really nice. Other than that, it's pretty underwhelming. I don't. Do you want to do I your do your sound, sound sample, sample that you played? Oh, my that sound you sample. Played. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that one. I was like, I don't see. Falling, I barely remember who I failed. I was just trying to keep it together. Here it comes. I think that's really nice. It's not bad. Um, the The verses of this song sound so much like a Radiohead song to me. Yeah. Um, specifically, my Iron Lung. So here's here's the like the first verse from this song. Places off the rails. And this my recollection of a falling. And then here is Radiohead. Yeah, that um, that progression of uh, like a minor four chord to a major one chord uh, is very affecting, and you y- you hear it a lot. Um, we've talked about it on the show before. Uh, it's like famously in like "Wake Me Up When September Ends." Before Wake you go, go. Wake me up when September ends. Like that's not the melody, but that's what the chord is doing. Da, da, da. that sort of resolution is very dramatic. Uh, I personally am not a huge fan when the chord progression is just that and then back to one <laughs> and then that and then back to the one, unless it's uh, Trapped in the Closet by R. Kelly, because mm. that's literally all that song is. And I think it's yeah. kind of fun. Well, I mean, you don't like R. Kelly's music so much as you just support him sort of on a, on a like <laughs> public figure level. You stand him. You don't really like his music, Shit. but you do stand him. Uh, can we move on? <laughs> I suppose so. Please. Second song is called Ablaze. Puff, puff, pass, 420, et cetera. Chief and that kind bud. All of the great um, dank um Phrases that everyone loves. So Alanis reaches back before recorded history into the time of mythology and decides to uh, write a song that sums up all of human uh, culture and society since that time. And then ty- and then also wants to write a song about her kid at the same time and colors. Yeah. Um, and also there is a metaphor about um, light in someone's eyes. Yeah. 
So uh, pretty, pretty, pretty good. Like confined, like small scale <laughs> goals for this song, um, and it, it definitely like achieves them pretty well. I'd say. <laughs> yeah. So when when people have kids, it's it's pretty common to have some very kind of zoomed out kind of feelings uh, that I don't know. Sometimes like new parents start talking the way that people talk about drug trips, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just this way that's like, what does it all mean? I mean, I made a life, you know, <laughs> like, uh, and it's one of those things where it's like, I believe you that this is interesting and that this is profound for you. Okay. But that doesn't I mean believe that you. you're communicating it in a way that can resonate for me uh, because, you know, I haven't had that specific acid trip. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, or even if, or even when trip. I hear other parents talk, talk about it, it's like, uh, I don't know. It's like, yeah, this is a, you're having a very personal moment and it feels cosmic and like, you want to know how to communicate it. And I understand that impulse. Mm-hmm. However, I, I think it's really hard to make a good song about it because it's like Cameron counterpoint though first thing that you'll notice is some separation from each other yes it's a lie we've been believing since time immemorial there was an apple there was a snake there was division there was a split there was conflict in the fabric of life have you considered that hmm this is a good point (laughs) it's all connected man (laughs) oh my god it's so bad so many so many things you could you could like tear apart here like the 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 way she utterly fails to have a metaphor in the last line, there was a split. There was a conflict in the fabric of life. She's so close to having like a metaphor, a split in the fabric of life. And she throws sure. in this ob- abstract concept of conflict. Yeah. To just like completely fuck up any kind of uh, real or concrete <laughs> reference. Uh, you ever bend over too fast and uh, <laughs> you get a conflict in your pants? <laughs> 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 oh man! Or Sometimes. when your favorite or in your favorite jeans, you've been wearing them too long, and they start to conflict at the knees. <laughs> I hate that. I went skiing one time uh, in some nice wool pants, and then there was a conflict in the fabric of the inseam and the crotch. Is not a fan of it. <laughs> uh, uh, this is yeah. This is bad. Verse two, and then, one and then I thought two. about creation. <laughs> yeah. And I thought about what it all means. And there was like a snake and a garden and blah blah blah. Yeah, uh, yeah. This is yeah. This is pretty bad. Like, yeah. Once again, it's your job as the as the songwriter to not do this. <laughs> <laughs> to take these ideas that you actually have something to say about, um, and to like. Yeah, it's more it's more about like can you can you can you display these ideas in such a way that um makes people feel the thing that you're feeling. She gets a lot closer in verse 2, I'd say. She says one became two and then everyone was out for themselves. Everyone was pitted against each other. Conflict ruled the realm. All our devotions the and temperaments <laughs> are pulled from different wells. We seem to easily forget we are made of the same cells. So I don't think it's amazing songwriting, but it's definitely a lot more successful than in the first verse. Yeah. And then also she doesn't explicitly connect the, the verse and the chorus. Cause the choruses are to my boy, all that energy so vital. Love your, it's like, uh, uh, epistolary, you know, 
to uh, the, her her son and daughter. And then she has a, a chorus to her daughter as well. Um, she actually has two choruses to her, two distinct choruses to her boy and two dis- and one chorus that she repeats for her daughter. Yes, you're right. And um, I, I would have thought it would have been exp- more like what point point seven three uh cor- like unique choruses for the girl per unique chorus for the boy. <laughs> but then again, maybe Alanis is not as much of a feminist, and she's not really into shattering oh, the um, shit. the chorus cancel gap. Alanis cancel <laughs> Alanis the the uh, chorus ceiling. I don't know. I'm tr- I'm tr- <laughs> you know what I'm trying to you, you get it. You get the whole thing. It's a riff. No, on but she's a ceilingless uh, explorer. Oh, you're fucking so. right. Maybe she just never noticed that it was a glass ceiling because it's see through. Maybe she thought she was ceilingless, <laughs> but it was she. She could just see through it. Huh? Yeah. I'm. I'm not going to uncancel Alanis until we get a new unique chorus for her daughter. <laughs> Hashtag um, R.I.P. Alanis. She doesn't explicitly connect the like huge zoom out kind of expository mythologizing she doesn't connect that to the direct addresses to her son and daughter and i think it's clear why those two things are in the same song i don't think she necessarily needs to explain the connection there Mm -hmm. but it could be good just unexplained if the verses were good yes i think the choruses are like you said sentimental like so, so much of Alanis' songwriting is. It's just kind of purely just sentimental. Yeah, it's and like I, aphorisms. Yeah. And it's like I she's think... doing songwriting um, as if she were making little like wood signs that would hang below live, laugh, love. Yeah, those or those creepy faceless angels. Yes, exactly. What? No. What? What is that? I don't... You know, the, that's like a tchotchke, like a, a white suburban mom tchotchke is these like kind of carved they're actually kind of they're kind of pretty i think as far as tchotchkes go but they're angels um and they don't have faces are they like the little they're statues like little statues yeah okay yeah i'm seeing it yeah okay yeah 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 i've seen those um uh i don't necessarily mind the sentiment in the choruses but i think it would be a lot more earned if she did some better mythologizing in the verses. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Like I, I actually kind of like how um, surprising it is that she's just kind of like dawdling along talking about like a very zoomed out picture of like societal conflict and separation. And then she immediately goes in the chorus of to my boy, all that energy is so vital. Like going to it, a direct address in a very specific way. I I like that sudden shift. Yeah. Um, I think to make it effective, she needs to like integrate it back into the song after that chorus though. And she does not do that. Okay. She writes like a, a few paragraphs about basically every song. Shoot. How much should we talk about? How much should we quote from there? Um, I've sort of skimmed it. It's like basically the first song's just about her therapist telling her that she's smiling while she's talking about like shitty stuff. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, this song, this one makes me cry if I listen to the lyrics. So I have to think about baseball, 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 heaven forbid, if I were to pass away, this is what I want to make sure that I shared with my children. I have all these journals and books that I'm like, these are here for you. I'm an attachment mom. 
and I'm obsessed with addressing the developmental tasks of attachment and exploration. This is all fine, but a little bit triggering for me to listen to. I've known some attachment moms that have been super toxic. (laughs) Um, Forming a sense of identity and a sense of competence, but I didn't want to write a whole song about those. So I just started talking about dualism and how being here on earth, there's always two. There's hot, cold, tall, short. That's four. That's not two. song was a little longer, actually, and I had to cut one of the verses. Um, We should also mention for the previous song, uh, I don't think we mentioned it at the time, but it was originally written for the Jagged Little Pill musical. Oh, right. Smiling was. Uh, and it also yeah, is where cool. the album title comes from because she just is one of her like phrases that she falls in love with that is like whatever. Verse three was like such pretty forks in the road on this continuum. I've been bouncing like f- life flashing promise before my eyes. Just total nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So. Man, we're already like a little bit short on time just because we spent so much time talking about uh, in What's in the Box Weekly, we talked about Bill and Ted. Yeah. Um, And then in this episode uh, on the main feed, we just spent so much time talking about Taylor and talking about how that's coming up. Yeah. But I want to I want you to play the sound sample that says ablaze interesting phrasing. Um, Before you do that, I think this sound sample is an example of 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 Alanis at her best writing phrasing that doesn't fit neatly within bars but delivering it with the natural rhythmic cadence of the of those words mm-hmm. and she's actually being like polyrhythmic in like an intentional way mm-hmm. um and i think this is her at her best and but for most of the rest of the album she's just constantly contriving all of these rhythms um, and squashing them into uh, four, four measures in ways that really gross me out, Mm. honestly. And Mm -hmm. I wish that we could hear more of this. There was an apple, there was a snake, there was division. Yeah. She kind of like floats over the, the um, bar divisions. Which is my favorite Joy Division uh, bar <laughs> cover band. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I haven't like transcribed that or anything, but it's like there was an apple, there was a snake, there was division. Um, it's yeah, it lays over the bars. I think it, in a, in a really nice way that's pretty syncopated, mm-hmm. uh, and she just delivers it with. She she really leans into the natural the natural rhythmic cadence of those lyrics, and it makes it feel um, rhythmically compelling instead of contrived. Yes. And I think when she does that, it sounds great. When she just goes for it, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I, she really doesn't do that much of that this album. What other songs should we talk about? Uh, the ones that I have the most. I kind of want to talk about Sandbox Love, Sandbox Love because of the music video, mm. which I did watch. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe Diagnosis is worth talking about. Okay. Um, do you have any that you want to talk about? Um, we can start with those. And if we have okay. time, we can circle back for some Okay, more. great. Yeah, let's, let's do Diagnosis. Diagnosis. God made much that way. Since I have come back from 
My sound sample included any of the chorus. Yeah. Um, hmm. Do you want me to pull that up? Uh, no, don't worry about it. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, according to her quote about the song, a lot of it's sort of about um, postpartum depression, mm. uh, which I've heard is absolutely awful. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So that sucks that she got that. Um, Seems like something worth writing a song about. I don't necessarily know how to evaluate this song in terms of like what she's what she's singing about. Um, I think the songwriting on this one is like pretty damn strong. Interesting. Tell me. Um, I think it's she's doing an effective job of kind of uh, writing about a a concept or an idea in a way that um, makes it not seem just like vague and diffuse and she does that by using a lot of specifics like in verse one i've not left the house in a while i've not felt a glimpse of ease and i've not made much headway since i have come back from the war i'm not super into the metaphor of the war but whatever um and then i'm not into i've not felt a glimpse of ease yeah i think that's a good line i but it doesn't make any sense because like ease feeling ease that makes sense, but a glimpse of ease, I think that's really weird. It is weird to say felt. That's the thing a that you see. Yeah. Yeah, it would have yeah. No, you're right. It's the wrong verb. But <clears throat> if she had said, I have not caught a glimpse of ease or have not seen a glimpse of ease, um, that would be much better. Um Sure. And I verse two, I no longer give a damn about things that used to matter, and I'm covering my eyes as I am frozen on the spot. That's it's a little bit on the nose, but it's you know it's still like so much better and stronger and more specific than those uh, first two songs we listened to. Yeah, sure. And then the chorus is like pretty strong. You can call it what you want because I don't even care anymore. Call me what you need to to make yourself comfortable. So I'm debilitated. I can't remember where this sentence started when I'm trying to finish it. And all of you are so frustrated, and everyone around me is trying to help as much as they can. Like it's it the the form definitely breaks down, but yeah. That, sort of fits the subject matter and i like a lot of those lines in there so yeah this is one of those situations where like musically i i feel like uh, the 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 phrasing of the lyrics in the music it, it can be pretty rough uh do you want to play the the i've not felt a glimpse of ease mm-hmm. sound sample that i took yeah. i've not felt a glimpse of ease Oof, she puts an emphasis on of. I've not felt a glimpse of ease. Yeah, that's not good. That's really, that really bothers me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I really dislike <laughs> On a moral that. level. <laughs> I th- cancel Atlantis. <laughs> Hashtag cancel Atlantis. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, it's one of those things where it's, it's so bold to do that. And I know Alanis, it's like she has to know that she's doing that and making a conscious decision that she just doesn't care, mm-hmm. which is fine. <laughs> is it? I think it, I, I feel like she knows what she's doing and that that is pretty unconventional. And I guess at that point, it's just sort of subjective whether you think that's good or not. Like, I don't know how to say this doesn't 
<laughs> this isn't conventionally rhythmically satisfying with these lyrics and like it makes me feel bad things like that's a very subjective thing to say because mm-hmm. uh, yeah there's other situations other artists who like play with the rhythm of like <laughs> they they sing it in a way that you wouldn't speak it and it's like well that's actually really fun so I don't know why this doesn't uh, work for me but it doesn't and it really bothers me so mm-hmm. uh, there's some other bad phrasing mm. <laughs> you want to play that mm-hmm. sample as well I would love to my house is spotless my lens is skewed my limbs they recoil yeah my house is spotless my lens is skewed my limbs they recoil uh, I think those. I think those images are good. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I think, mean, my lens is skewed as a little. I, I, like, I think if it were a stanza of poetry, it would work a lot better than the ways she's trying to shoehorn it into the music. Yeah. Like if you yeah. if you read it as a poem, my house is spotless, my lens is skewed, my limbs they recoil, and I'm folding in on myself since I am out of order. Like that yeah. to me works a lot better than my house is spotless my lens is skewed my limbs they recoil yeah yeah it's uh it really rubs me the wrong way it's it's yeah. rhythmically dissonant because she she's overlaying uh in, in the poetry biz what we like to call iambic pentameter she's like forcing this overlay of iambic pentameter on top of words that do not fit it yeah uh, because it my house is spotless my lens is it, it's it's like it's not regular it's not rhythmically regular but she just kind of like reads it and i am big pentameter. my house is spotless my lens is skewed my limbs they recoil it's just weird emphasis i am big pentameter is <laughs> not a yet for these lyrics in this song <laughs> Uh, okay. I think, yeah. Do you want to talk about sandbox sure. and then maybe we'll close it up? Yeah. Start all this from scratch. Please go slowly. Cause I'm So is this song about she in the quote about it? It's like, it's, it's about recovering from sexual abuse. And it seems to be, that seems to be reflected in the pre-chorus. What do you, what we just listened to into what really happened. I'm, I try not to remember here we go into the danger zone, but this time with a friend. And then she talks about blocking it out. Uh, So I think this is like intimacy post trauma. Is like what this song's supposed to be about, I guess. Yeah, I mean, the things she says about it make sense, but do not seem to apply to this song. Yeah, she says. I ca- she says it begs a big question, which is not correct. It raises a big question. Um, Post sexual abuse, what does healthy sex even look like, and what prize should I keep my eye on? There's this culture, porn culture, acting out culture, having a side piece culture. There's so much repair that's needed to be experienced in a relationship for those of us who've had sexual abuse in our past. 
sandbox love is my imagining of what healthy sex would be and what that terrain looks like. Uh, I think it's pretty uh, judgmental to um, specifically use porn acting out and like polyamory. Yeah, well, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's I guess they're implying like uh, In- non-consensual. Yeah, like I guess like cheating. Yeah. So I guess I guess that she, I'll give her a bat. I'll give her that. I guess, but yeah, she, it's it seems almost like she's being a little bit puritanical about trying to imagine this new kind of sex that she wants. Yeah. Also, why sandbox? It's like a it's like a safe space with like boundaries. I guess I don't know. I guess. or I guess sand, sand, sandbox is like metaphorically used to talk about having your own sort of like little universe that you can create and build up and then tear down. And like, isn't that like what they used to like uh, that terminology to, to describe like video games, like open world video games. Yeah. Sandbox video games like Minecraft would be a sandbox game. It also makes me think of just like the software paradigm of like a, like a sandbox environment, which means that, essentially like the program is running uh in kind of its own walled off like solitary confinement mode where it doesn't have access to the power of the underlying os so so i think i think that's an interesting i think it's potentially an interesting way to talk about a sexual relationship Mm -hmm. um because like sex can be a place where uh you're it's sort of a therapeutic space where you're Sorry, I didn't hear you. No, I, I, I just, uh, I thought your sentence ended there. I thought you just said, uh, "Sex can be a place." Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, now, now you're talking like Alanis. <laughs> uh, the anatomy of my crash. <laughs> crash. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it can be a place that's like uh, a therapeutic space where you sort of enact things that go on it's almost like a dream you know where you like you're trying to reconcile things that happen in the rest of your life in the context of sex like i feel like maybe that's what she's talking about and i think Mm. that's fertile ground if that is what she's talking about Mm -hmm. but i can't really tell because the song isn't good enough Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) it's very vague yeah I like the chorus is all right. Awkward as fuck. Precious as fuck. Scary as fuck. Us in our sandbox, sandbox love. Like, I like, I think that's like kind of fun, colloquial, uh, a fun thing to sing. Uh, yeah, but she's clearly not having fun in the song. Like, there's no humor to this song. <laughs> like, yeah. it's so funny because she that could be like a playful kind of like joking take on this idea of like yeah you know sex is awkward as fuck haha isn't that funny because awkward as fuck and it's fucking uh so that that (laughs) could be like funny and playful but it's not she just like she she has this way of just like extremely like deadpan serious humorless uh wordplay i would like this lyric more if it was if instead of us in our sandbox comma sandbox love I kind of wish it just said in our sandbox. Period. Mm, like they're literally and just having left sex it more in metaphorical. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, if, if you're into that, like you know. <laughs> uh, okay, and then oh, there's just like a bunch of like very traumatic stuff in the in the rest of these verses uh, that I don't necessarily feel equipped to 
analyze. Um, so the music video, mm-hmm. it's it seems to be like a period piece, like late '90s, early 2000s, or something. Okay. Uh, maybe maybe mid '90s, mm-hmm. um, because at one point there is a young woman's room, and there's a bunch of p- posters up on the wall of like, you know, Titanic era Leo DiCaprio, things like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's like a young woman, and it's it starts, and she's she's sitting at a table with an old woman, like a very old woman, like, and it's kind of implying that maybe she's this old woman's caretaker. Then she walks outside and she sees another young woman, um, who kind of seems like a little bit less feminine coded, a little bit edgier. And then they start hanging out and, uh, they're drinking forties and then they just like litter the forties like against the wall. They just throw them against the wall, Whoa. and they're like smoking cigarettes, and they're like kind of touching each other's legs. And then they like, and then it's just cutting back and forth between scenes of them having pretty explicit sex, hmm. and and then scenes of the first woman uh, crying. But maybe when she's younger, she looks younger in the scenes where she's crying in her room with all the posters on the wall. Hmm. Um, Like something traumatic happened and then just sort of like lying motionless on her bed. Um, And then her like kind of wandering around town Mm -hmm. being upset. And uh, yeah, so (laughs) yeah, that's that's basically it. Uh, I I didn't really like it. Okay. It felt, um, you know... I would like to talk to some lesbians about <laughs> whether or not... I would not like to talk to some lesbians. It's just someday. <laughs> I would like to talk to them specifically about what I perceive to be male gaze in uh, in cinematography. Yeah, there's and a long and whether... proud tradition of the male gaze being applied to uh, lesbian relationships and uh, sexuality. <laughs> Right, like I know that a lot, a lot of people, you know, when blue, most recently when blue is the warmest color came out, a lot of people were like, "This is like not lesbian sex," you know, mm-hmm. like. But I don't know if that's true, or if like I don't want to like, I don't know what the if there's a final decision on that narrative, you know. But yeah, it was like directed by a a male director. Um, anyway, to me, it <laughs> it felt like. Um, the the way my lizard brain would direct it <laughs> mm. if you will mm-hmm. um like a, t- a teenage you know sort of lizard brained cameron like would direct it it felt a male gazy to me as someone who's uh experienced having male gaze mm-hmm. so i don't know if I, I i would love to hear some some lesbian reactions to the music video maybe there are maybe i can look that up and uh, if I find anything, I'll report on it next time. Yeah, that sounds good. Great. I just gave myself homework that Isn't I'm probably that not awesome. going to remember. Yeah. <laughs> Fun. Love it. So, yeah, I don't know. It was, it's fine. It, like, it's fine to like have, I don't know, to sexualize female bodies. It's just hard to say, like, sometimes it feels gross and sometimes it feels hot and good, you know, and like empowering. And I don't know why it feels one way 
sometimes in, in another way, the other times. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's why I would love some more perspective. If we have any lesbian listeners who want, who want to uh, weigh in, that would be great. Yeah. I would like to talk to some lesbians. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't know. It's a good sentence. (laughs) It's a good sentence to have said, I think. I'll stand by it. I I just get so amused by like, sometimes it happens naturally when people put pauses in their sentences, but sometimes if you just like (laughs) mentally interrupt people's sentences at certain points, I find that very amusing. (laughs) I might be the only one in the world. I put a lot of pauses in weird spots in my sentences. And this is actually an ongoing problem in my life. Uh, Infamously in... My AP English two class in the, high school. The uh, we were we were reading. Uh, is it the Invisible Man or Invisible Man? Depends on which one you're talking about. Ellison. I'm or talking. I'm talking about Ellison. Ellison. Invisible Man. Invisible Man. Yeah. I can never keep them straight. Yeah. Um. Thanks a lot, Ellison. Mm. In this economy. <laughs> uh, we were reading Invisible Man, and like the teacher said. Yeah, does anyone have any input? You know, like, what are you all thinking? This is a mostly white class in Hillsborough, Oregon. And he's like, yeah, how are you reacting to all this? You know, it's like very challenging material yeah, for yeah. paradigm, you know, like expanding stuff for us to listen to. There's a lot of high, there's like a lot of high context stuff that was like very new ideas to me. Mm-hmm. Like there's this whole like, there's this whole scene of, uh, there's this whole like monologue about how um how much uh black women love to and lust after like white men um it's sort of this reverse jungle fever Ooh. kind of parody thing uh-huh Wait, that they pa- like that they talk about in, in the book sorry what parody or parity like it's parody. achieving parity or with it's a, a parody with a d okay with oh with a d okay it, yeah <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's like a bunch of stuff like that that I'm just like I don't need. I'm just a high I'm fucking dumb kid. <laughs> I don't know what to do with all this. Anyway, so like the teacher called on me. He's like, "What do you make all this, Cameron?" Mm, <laughs> and and it. I said, and I said, "Well, there's a lot of black people." And then I made a pause <laughs> and he's like, yeah. <laughs> and then I, I finished it off. And like after everyone like finished laughing at me, I was like, I was going to say there's a lot of black people um, really cutting down other black people and being very competitive and like uh, not treating each other very nicely with a lot of solidarity. I said something along those lines. Mm-hmm. And like that was at the time, one of the, kind of first examples of that other than maybe the Chappelle show that in, like <laughs> in media uh, that I had, you know, seen of like um, internalized racism, um, the sort of, uh, I don't know, like, <laughs> anyway, the main point of the story is it seemed for a minute there, like I was just like, there's a lot of black people in this book. <laughs> and that was my main takeaway. It's a part of my personality. That's one of the main reasons why we use the delete silence function on this show. <laughs> no one would notice if you didn't just bring attention to it. You <laughs> asshole. I hate you. That's fair. That's, that's fair. I All right. That. It's, it's, I'm out of time. We got to close it up. Let's close it up real quick. Okay. Uh, Alanis, 
just make another angry elf. Yeah. No, do whatever you want. It's fine. I'm like I said, I've said in the past, I'm sure this is useful for someone. I have a hard time engaging with it. Yeah. And we yeah. genuinely mean that when we say we're sure this is useful for someone, we, we do not mean that in a patronizing way and that we hope it does not come across in a patronizing way. Um, it's just, it feels like it's not really for us and it definitely does not appeal to us really. Um, but until next week where we actually definitely this time start season 15 with Tay Tay, um, unless something unless else Garth up. drops his album yeah. in the next <laughs> unless, week, unless there's a new Garth album or a new T paint album or something. Um, until that time, you can visit us online at boxset.website, email us at email at boxset.website, tweet us at Tobias podcast, join our discord. The link will be in the show notes. Um, there are a couple ways you can support the show. You can go on iTunes, write a review, jam those stars. Uh, you can directly support it by just telling people about it and encouraging them to give it a listen, give it a try. You can also, if you want to support us monetarily and help us continue making the show, you can go to support.boxset.website and join our Patreon, which if you do, you'll get access to a bunch of bonus content, including a weekly mini show, uh, which Cameron mentioned earlier. And this week we talked about Bill and Ted Face the Music, the third Bill and Ted movie. And I gave a bonus shout out to some weird, wild, wacky cartoons from the 1930s that I love. Yeah, if it's it's re- it really doesn't. It's as far as Patreons go. What is it like two dollars? Two dollars a month is just to get access to all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, it's I think it's a pretty good trade off because you get essentially like one and a half times as much you know content if you have the Patreon like per week, and the backlog is huge at this point. We're coming up on episode one hundred of What's in the Box Weekly, mm-hmm. and there's like movie reviews from movies that correspond with uh previous seasons of uh of think outside the box set yes and we plan movies like mama mia for the abba season or the icp movies yeah yeah both icp and movies someday eight mile we'll, we will watch it yes <laughs> <laughs> someday hopefully so, soon hopefully soon and then um we're gonna watch another one right uh, oh yeah, we want to watch Oliver and Company. Yes, Let's talk about Billy Joel. Billy Joel, yeah, the dog. <laughs> Billy Joel, the dog. Yeah. All right. Well, until next week. Thanks for listening, everyone. I've been Nathan Hunt, and I'm about to enter into the angry house. I've been Cameron Dewitt, and I'm a goblin with shredded abs. <laughs> Is that weird to do jazz hands to Staggily? <laughs> Is that what I was, I was doing? just feeling jazz hands oh. this time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I can't, I have to keep them real tight in so you can see them on the Zoom call. That's, That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely more appropriate than the more bluesy uh, Robert Johnson version of Staggily at the beginning. Sure. Yeah. <laughs>